Welcome to the Parent University Podcast. Parent University is a monthly training seminar for parents of teenagers here at Perimeter Church. It is our desire to come alongside families by equipping them to lead their children in a biblical, God-honoring way. We hope you enjoy the following talk. just wanted to uh, start off today with uh, letting you know a little secret about me. Um, most of you probably won't be surprised. I am older, right? I'm, I'm going to be 45 this month. So when it comes to internet and social media, one of the reasons I'm even able to talk to you guys about any of this stuff is because I rely on younger people to inform me, okay? Students that I interact with, a lot of the information I get comes from them. But I also rely on people on my staff or others uh, that I interact with just to keep me informed and in the loop. So um, I want to invite one of those up right now, uh, Jared Hamilton. He's going to come talk to you a little bit about some trends on the internet. And he is the husband of Jessica Hamilton, who is on our junior high staff. Um, they're going to be moving away here in the next uh, month and moving to East Tennessee for him to continue his studies at Lee University. But uh, he's going to come right now and uh, speak to us uh, a little bit about some trends uh, before I jump into the main teaching. One thing Jeff wanted me to mention was uh, steaks. And uh, steaks, I just have two words, a pan sear, uh, first of all. Uh, and pan searing is pretty easy if you have, I'm kidding. Um, I'm not going to give a talk about this. Uh, like he said, <laughs> I'm going to give a talk about this internet. Um, and basically what I wanted to start off by saying was uh, the internet is different to what has come before the internet, which is face-to-face interaction. Flying is to driving, really. So um, the first thing you need to know about the internet is it's a totally different way of communicating than we've ever had before. Um, it's all visual. Uh, in, a, in an age where anything can be found in an instant second, where anything can be shown even across the world, um, where everything's kind of accessible, uh, what's become important is not really uh, what you say, but more on the how you say it. And so I wanted to get into kind of what that means. Uh, the internet, I like to call it, is a virtual community. So when you think about a virtual community, you think about a regular community, maybe, and a community has a community center, and it has buildings and businesses and homes. The internet's a bit like that, um, in the sense that you have social gathering places like Facebook or Reddit, if you've ever heard of Reddit. Um, it has places of business like eBay and Amazon. It has its cultural centers, I suppose, like YouTube. Um, so uh, the internet is this virtual community, but the thing about a virtual community is uh, it's very easy to be anonymous. And I wanted to talk about anonymity a bit. Um, anonymity kind of empowers people. Uh, if you've ever heard of what's called the mob mentality, um, where people in large groups who aren't assigned names or you know, no one really knows who they are, in large groups people can do some pretty terrible things. Um, and it's kind of like that on the internet. If you've ever been online and seen anything that can happen, it can get ugly quick. And uh, for instance, I want to talk about just a couple sites uh, that are pretty popular. I'm sure you all know Twitter and Facebook. Um, a lot of people might argue you can't really be anonymous on those sites. Um, however, I would want to suggest that anonymity is pretty easy to achieve. Say that I had certain pictures of me that I didn't want on Facebook 
well, it'd be very easy not to put those on Facebook. Say that I had certain friends that I didn't want to talk to on Facebook. It'd be very easy not to friend them. And so you can kind of see on the internet, we can kind of shape what we look like. We can shape who we are really. Um, and some other social networking sites like uh, 4chan and Reddit take this to an extreme. There's a, it's a, a message board really, it's called 4chan. Um, and it's this hub like Facebook where people discuss, except there's no usernames, there's no pictures, there's no personal content at all, it's all anonymous. Um, and in the same way that Facebook and Twitter is, you can remain anonymous and still contribute to the conversation. So that's just kind of a precursor to what I wanted to talk about. The internet is this place where we're all a part of it, but we're not really required to be a part of it, if you see what I'm saying. Um, I guess, let's take Facebook for example. Um, on Facebook, you might see your kid, you know, put, uh, put a certain picture up online that you might not like up there. Um, and you might say to them, why did you put that up there? Do you know what you're trying to say by putting this picture up there? Um, and I would suggest that that's kind of the wrong question to ask because it's still assuming that the internet is kind of a reflection of what happens in the real world. In the real world, you would never put a picture out of yourself that you might not want seen. But on the internet, you might put it up there to be provocative, you might put it up there just to be rebellious or edgy or something like that. Um, and the internet allows for that to happen. And so I would want to say that kids today aren't so much interested in um, what they're trying to say as what they're trying to show. Um, and so I wanted to kind of move into that idea a bit. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard the word memes. Uh, memes are this idea, I have the definition here, so. Oh, an idea, behavior, or style that spreads from person to person within a culture. And we've all experienced memes. Uh, any kind of catchphrase or slang word is a meme. Um, and we've all grown up with those things like a, if I said, well, that's water under the bridge. That's a form of a meme uh, in the sense that it gets, hey, that's a pretty good saying. I might use that in my next conversation. And so it kind of gets propagated like a meme. Um, and memes were actually uh, coined by this geneticist, um, and it's the idea of something that replicates itself. So when you hear the word meme, think of gene. Uh, so meme is something that's an idea or behavior or something that gets replicated. And a couple examples of those I have on the slides here. They're usually, uh, this particular meme is called bad joke raccoon. Um, and this first one should be, how did I get out of Iraq? I ran. Uh, and that's just an example of this thing that I could put up on my Facebook. Um, and you might look at it and go, what is it trying to say? I don't understand what this is trying to say. Like I said, in the world of an anonymous virtual community, we're not concerned with so much of what we're saying or what we're writing, but about what we're being, what we're being seen as being. And so if I had told you I wrote this, you might think, hey, this is a pretty funny guy. So in the same way, I could put this up on my Facebook, my friends would see it and laugh and say, oh, he's funny. And so in this way, these memes are kind of, the next one uh, I like personally, it's uh, atheism, a nonprofit organization. 
Um, and Bad Joke Raccoon is one of my favorites. And all these memes are this picture of a raccoon with this kind of smirk on his face um, and just two captions. And so what people will do is take this picture and they'll just supply new bad jokes. And there's, there's memes for just about everything. Um, this next one is called Philosoraptor. He's always thinking about something. He says, what does Lady Gaga wear on Halloween? It's an interesting question. I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to that. Uh, but he's one of the, and so there's all these different memes that don't necessarily say things, but they show things. Uh, they show, I'm funny, I'm witty, I like to think about things, or it's a way of people, uh, a way for people to connect. So say I put this next one up here. This one's called Success Kid. He's one of my favorites. Dad says no, mom says yes. And so if I put this up on my Facebook, all of us have been children, all of us understand what it's like to ask dad for something. I'll be able to get it and then go ask mom and be like, I haven't asked dad yet. Um, and then you get to go, you know, go out or whatever you want to do. And by putting this up on Facebook, now I'm trying to show that, hey, I grew up like one of you guys. I am part of your collective experience. Um, and so when you see these kinds of things online, it's very tough to answer the question, what is this trying to say? Um, for instance, if we, if we stared at this picture long enough, we would never be able to get beyond what it already says. Uh, there's no subtext, there's no other conversation going on. It's merely just something to be seen. And so that's what I mean by a virtual community. It's not necessarily a place where people are talking about a lot, but people are just showing a lot. And uh, one of the good examples of this is, I don't know, how many of you have seen the Harlem Shake videos? Anyone? You know what those are? For those of you who don't know, the Harlem Shake videos are, it's this song, uh, it's kind of an electronic song that plays, and for the first 10 or 15 seconds, someone dances alone in a big room or in a group or something, there's just one person dancing, and then when the music changes, all of a sudden it goes to this, everyone's dancing. And so if we were to do a Harlem Shake video of this place, say the first 10 or 15 seconds the song would start playing, I would get up and start dancing. And then when the music changed, then it would flash in the video to all of us dancing together. So I know that doesn't make much sense, but uh, hold on a second, I'm going somewhere with it. Uh, so in this Harlem Shake video, for those of you who have seen it, um, you might stare at this video and go, this is completely crazy. What, what in the world is going on here? What is this trying to say? Um, and like I said, this is kind of a bad question to ask because the internet is a virtual community and virtual connected to visual. And so when you try to think about what's this trying to say, it's very hard to answer because all it's trying to show is we had fun doing this. That's it. Um, and so that might be a little depressing. However, I would want to submit that on the internet, there might not be much being said outright, but there are still a lot of questions being asked. Uh, because for, for kids my age and, and under, we're all trying to ask the same question, where, where are we supposed to fit in the world? Who am I? Uh, and by by using these tools such as memes and these videos uh, and the power of being anonymous, 
we can kind of shape ourselves in a way that asks those questions. Um, I mean, a lot of my friends, when I first got to college, and, and you would get onto Facebook and you would look at their info, it would say things like hobbies include thinking, philosophizing, you know, and you would think, oh, like, what, what kind of a guy is this, you know? But in, in a way, he was kind of saying, I want to be seen as someone who is a thinker. He didn't really know how to be a thinker, <laughs> but he wanted to be seen as someone. And I think uh, in the same way, when we, when we look at the internet and we look at all the things that take place, I always like to try to remember, well, what is this person feeling when they, when they write these things? What is this person uh, doing when they write these things? Um, and for instance, uh, I'm sure you've all heard of cyberbullying. Uh, cyberbullying is a terrible thing. Um, and cyberbullying is just bullying that takes place online. Um, and I'll, a quick example is during the Oklahoma City bombing, which was a while ago, but it was one of the first instances of cyberbullying. During the Oklahoma City bombing and the aftermath of all that, someone posted a picture of a fake t-shirt. Um, that said something like, I'm so glad the Oklahoma City bombing happened. This just terrific t-shirt with a terrible message on it. They posted it online and said, for those who want to purchase this t-shirt, contact so-and-so, and they picked a random name and number out of the phone book. Um, and so what happened was this unsuspecting guy who they had just picked out of the phone book started getting all of these calls about what kind of a person are you that would that would do something like this because everyone that saw this t-shirt online thought, well, I'm gonna call him and ask him why he's doing this. Um, when the real people behind the, the fake t-shirt were just doing it to get a rise out of people. Uh, they were just doing it because humans are terrible. <laughs> um, and so in, in that way, this cyberbullying issue and this uh, all these memes and all these things are really just people being what they think they want to be. Um, they use the internet to be seen as something. Uh, not really to say anything. And I think it points out, to me anyway, that uh, along with the advent of the internet, people aren't really wanting to hear any answers anymore. They're not really saying anything. And I think a lot of us assume that, well, maybe there's no answers out there. Um, and I think Kids wonder that a lot. Um, I know I, I talk to people and they're like, well, I don't really know. I don't think you can say that. And I think if I would want to say something about the internet, it's when you try to understand it, you can't really understand it because it's something just to be seen. And by being a place uh, that is just solely a visual experience, um, where not much is being said or very little is being said, it's very easy to preclude the question that says, what is there to say? I don't think there's anything to say. I don't think there's anything worth really devoting myself to. And so for the most part, for most people, the internet is just one more thing to kind of consume, to kind of just, you know, to have a good time on, or to play games on, or watch videos on. And I think this is kind of where our Christian response comes and it says, no, there is an answer for why you feel like being connected. 
there is an answer for why you feel so confused all the time. Um, and especially for kids growing up and trying to figure out what kind of a person they want to be, that's where we step in and say, look, it's okay to kind of try to figure yourself out. We've all done it. But it's dangerous. You can get hurt. People can find out things about you that you might never have intended. Um, people can hurt you. And those are all things that have happened to all of us, whether we grew up with the internet or not. And so I think, especially when we're talking to children that, you know, are first getting at Facebook or first getting at Twitter, we have to let them understand, look, I know it's going to be confusing. I know it's going to be uh, totally different than what I dealt with. But I know what it feels like to be left out. I know what it feels like to not have friends or not seem like you have friends. And I know what it's like to be obsessed with when I post something on Facebook and people just watch how many likes have I got, how many likes have I got. Um, well, then you can say, I know what it's like to care about what people think about what you say. And that's all that's going on. And so I guess overall I want to say, even though the internet with these memes and everything, it's a totally different kind of experience, as you can see by these memes and these videos that don't make much sense. However, it's still the same basic human experience. It's just people trying to figure out what the answer is. Uh, trying, people trying to figure out, do I want to say anything at all? And the answer generally has been no in the past few years. And I think that's where we step in, like I said, and, and say, look, I understand you used these things to ask the same questions, but we have answers. Um, we have a way of looking at the world that doesn't just get rid of the, the oral and the verbal and just do the visual. We can kind of add the words that go along with these pictures. Um, and we can kind of start to understand, even though you're using a different way of expressing yourself through these memes or Facebook or whatever, um, you can still say, I know what you're going through. That's all I wanted to say. I think you can tell he is thinking about, deeply about what he sees on the internet um, and trying to think about that. You know, it's, it's interesting. I just recently taught, actually this last Sunday, to students about internet. And so you're going to hear a lot of the things that I talked to them about. But we have a little bit of a different focus because, again, your role and my role is to equip them uh, to be responsible adults, right, on the Internet and how we're going to go about that. Let me say a word of prayer, and then we'll just kind of jump in here. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time. Um, thank you for these parents. And, Lord, the Internet is um, something that we all deal with uh, at one level or another, and there's... It's fraught, Lord, with peril in so many ways, and yet there are many uh, amazing things and things that can be celebrated there as well. So help us to know how to navigate this world ourselves um, and how to equip our kids to do the same. Uh, guide us this morning by your word and your spirit. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, the first thing I want to start with is that when you really get into the internet or see news reports or things like that, it can be pretty depressing, right? If you see... Things like uh, just six months or so ago, there was uh, a, a student who had committed suicide because of cyberbullying, and it was on the cover of People magazine and things like that. And, 
Um, there's pornography, there's a lot of things on there, and, and one of the responses that we as parents can want to do is say, that's it, we're just not going to have the internet. You know, I've, I've talked to a lot of parents who do that, but, um, who unplug the computer and just say, we're just not doing this. I want to suggest, first off, I think that's probably a mistake. <laughs> and here's why I, I think that. We live in a digital age. This is a part of the world. And as much as we want to unplug and disconnect sometimes, it's, this is the world we live in. Most of you, uh, if you, if you work in the business world, you probably use the internet to some degree, right? It is, it is a part of how we communicate. It is uh, a changing environment and a changing world. And not having a computer and not equipping your kids, to me, is a, uh, it puts them at a disadvantage as they become adults. And so I would, I would propose that if we don't do that, then they're going to have to figure it out on their own. And that, to me, is not a, not a winning strategy. Um, one thing for us that's difficult is it's a mistake to believe that the Internet is only a tool for us to use. For us in my generation and older, okay, we can look at it that way because we remember life without the Internet, right? We didn't have it. We didn't have cell phones. We didn't have uh, email. I mean, most of us remember that world. It's hard to believe that it was not that long ago. But for this generation, or the, the new generations coming up, they cannot even really conceive of that. And so for us, a lot of times, it's a tool to be utilized and to use. For them, it is a part of their world. It's a part of the way they communicate. It is uh, a lot more, they're more connected uh, to each other and to the world as a whole through this medium. And that's harder for us to believe. I can go a month without looking on Facebook or Twitter or anything, and it doesn't affect me. I don't even think about it. A lot of these students cannot go a few hours without doing that. I talked to one of my students uh, last week and said, hey, how, how much time do you spend on social media? And he said 12 hours was his first response, a day. And I said, okay, it can't be 12 hours a day. And then he kind of clarified the statement. See, he, these students are multitasking so much that as soon as he gets out of school and he has a smartphone, he's connected through Twitter, through Facebook, through texting. And so he's in contact with multiple friends and multiple things going on from then until he goes to bed. Okay? And so that's something I cannot conceive of. I'm not a multitasker. All right? That would not, I would not do well in that kind of environment. But many of our students are growing up in that way. And, of course, you can think about that uh, when you ground your student from their phone or Facebook or something like that. It has a much more profound effect than when you and I were grounded from the phone in high school, right? When uh, there was that one phone, remember, attached to the wall, you know, with a little dial that actually sparks were created in that machine in order to call your friends. They don't have that. And so we were isolated to some degree, but it, their isolation is, seems much more severe because they're so much more connected. Does that make sense? Um, some, some verses to think about from Scripture, uh, Matthew 10, 16, Jesus was sending out uh, the disciples. He said, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Okay, he wanted them to be smart about the world that they were going out into. Uh, morally pure, but, but smart and intelligent about the way he did that. John 17 says, My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them. 
This is Jesus in the high priestly prayer, praying for the disciples and for all those who would become Christians. And I just think it's fascinating. I want to remind us of that. You know, Jesus doesn't want us to be separated from the world. He wants us to be in this world, but not of it. And that's a very difficult thing, right? We all we all have problems with that at different times, right? Being in the world and not of the world. And so equipping our kids uh, to live in this world and navigate this world is very important. Um, I want to put a picture up of... Uh, what do you, what do you, we all know what that is, right? That's a handgun. Now, a handgun is, has great potential for evil, right? This could be, you could put this in the hand of someone who wants to rob a bank or take somebody hostage. Uh, you could rob a convenience store, um, murder someone out of hatred, or, you know, in the worst case, you could break into a school, right, and kill a bunch of kids, is what happened this last year. Um, but you put this in the hands of a police officer or a soldier, or maybe you've got this under your pillow and there's a home invasion at your house, and it can be used to protect yourself. It can be used for good. Now, a gun, of course, has one purpose. It's created, right, to, to hurt things or... or so that's not necessarily, it has, it has a specific purpose that's doing. I want to just point out that to me, technology is, is morally neutral. If we put up Facebook, this can also be used for good or evil, right? Um, this medium itself is neutral, and it allows great communication all over the world for us. Um, I've connected with people in different countries that I know, you can use it to edify. You can use it to build people up. I've seen our students on Facebook and Twitter encourage each other like you wouldn't believe. Uh, they're so uh, encouraging towards each other and just say, you know, you, I, I, how much they love each other, and it can be a great thing for that. We can use it to share our faith. We can use it to share information. We can use it to support a cause. There's so many great things that we can use this for. Uh, we can also use it for revenge, to discourage someone to take my anger out on someone, to expose someone or a part of yourself, right, that maybe should never be exposed. We can use it to reveal our own sin, or voyeuristically, we can partake in the sin of others. Social media has caused breakups, destroyed relationships, caused divorce in many cases, and in, in, the, in the worst case, suicide. I think along with all of these things, the ultimate goal for us, and, and one of the things that I want to say for you, is that it all ends with the heart. We talk about this over and over every month, right, that the heart of your student is really what you want to get to. I would hope that all of you would be able to have your students get on the internet and there'd be no filter, that the Holy Spirit would be the filter that they need more than anything else. That would be my greatest desire is that your kids, and really, if you think about it, again, one of the reasons we call this equipping for independence is when they turn 18, there is no filter. They're going to the university. They're going to get their own computers, their own smartphones, their own things. The only person monitoring them is going to be them. No one's monitoring you, right? Unless you choose that accountability. No one's monitoring you, and no one's going to be monitoring them. So they are going to be completely on their own, and that's why we have to equip them to navigate this world, okay? It's not going to be uh, 
something like that. So that would be the ultimate goal. Um, you and I are not good enough to keep up with technology. That's the other thing. I hate to say it. Even if you work in the tech world, you and I, you think that you've got it covered, and they are more savvy than we are. And they have an army of them that are figuring out ways to get around technology. So if your strategy is, well, I have this filter, because I'll tell you, I've had many, many conversations with parents over the years, and specifically, I'm talking about like pornography right now, okay? Like if you say, well, pornography is something that I want to keep out of my home, which I would hope all of us would want to do that, and I know there's a portal of that through the internet, a lot of us buy some software five years ago, put it on the computer, and we think it's done. We want to check that box, and now we're not really paying attention to it anymore. And if you don't update that software, if you haven't covered your, uh, your router, if you haven't covered their smartphone, if you have another computer that you forgot about, or a PSP, or even a, 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 your Wii, your Xbox, your Netflix account, I mean, there are so many different ways that they can get around and get through and get through all of the things that we do. So having a filter is not gonna solve your problem. Um, for example, uh, my students that I interact with, I'm an accountability group, so I hear some of these things. There's, there's portals, you know? A portal is something your, your students can look for and they connect to something that shows up on your history as something else, but it's really a portal to the internet that your filter doesn't cover, okay? So when you look at history, it'll say they were on uh, you know, Disney.com, and really they were surfing porn sites because the portal lets them through. Okay, you have things like that. Um, Facebook and Twitter are not safe as far as, as uh, people post things like that, and I know they comb those and take them off, but they're usually on for a while. YouTube is not safe. Um, I even heard about a calculator app where you can store nude photos. Okay, and so it just shows up as an app that's a calculator, but you punch in a certain number, which is a code, and it's really a picture book so that your parents can't find uh, the things that you have, or your wife, it doesn't have to be your parents, um, or your husband, I guess, for that matter. So your filter is not going to be the problem. You really have to go over the heart. Um, I do think there's a real place for uh, filters when your kids are younger, Okay, because we all know evil pursues you and pursues your kids at home, right? How many of us have, uh, in fact, just this week, Cammy was surfing for something. I was looking over her shoulder, and, and, you know, there's a picture on as she's looking through for something else, and you see that things are getting in there that you didn't even look for or ask for. And so things come at you, and they come at you through Twitter. A lot of my guys, when they have a failing, if they're on Twitter, guys post Twitter links and resend them out of pornography and things like that. So your son may not even be looking for pornography, he's just following friends on Twitter and they're sending pornography in their tweets. And so, you know, these things can happen. So it comes after you, so it's a good idea. Um, there are some, uh, I have these written down, uh, mymobilewatchdog.com, Spectrosoft, I can give you these afterwards, triplexchurch.com, covenanteyes.com. These are some that some of you use and uh, other, Dads I've talked to have used these, and the technology, if you want to really monitor the snot out of your kids, is ridiculous, okay? There is incredible technology, uh, one that takes screenshots every three seconds, you know, of whatever they're looking at, so that then if they had a portal, it wouldn't, wouldn't matter. I mean, one of these, I think my mobile watchdog even monitors your kids' like speed. If they drive in their car, it's on their cell phone, it can tell you if they're speeding or not. I mean, it's ridiculous 
the amount of technology that is there, okay? But I'm just saying that that will only take you so far. I think when your kids are younger and they're not trying to get to it, it these things can be very effective in at least keeping it from pursuing you or something popping up when you don't want it to at home. And I think it's a good idea to have that. I would definitely move in the later years, though, toward things that report, like X Church Software and Covenant Eyes send you reports of where they go. It doesn't keep them from going there, okay? And that kind of accountability software, it emails you, you know, once a day, or it can get text messages, things like that, that show you uh, what's, what's there. I do want to say when it comes to monitoring or things like that, with is mobile devices are the hardest. Even some of this software really breaks down when you get into iPhones and things like that because there's ways around it. Again, you just reboot the, soft, the cell phone, you turn Safari on. Now, it'll warn you, the parent, that Safari's been turned back on, but it, a lot of these mobile devices are not made for this software to work effectively. So you just need to be aware of that, uh, that it can be difficult. Um, so, you know, also when your kids... I would encourage you put a computer in a high traffic area so that, you know, if you put it in the living room or the den, you know, they're less likely to, to be on there getting in trouble. And um, pornography is a huge problem, and that's why we have to discuss it a little bit now when we're talking about internet, because uh, the statistics are ridiculous, off the, off the chart, really. On I, I would say in my experience, high school boys, it's 100% is an issue. Okay, I know you may think that sounds alarmist, but um, to me, when high school boys are struggling with pornography, it is, it's, a, it's an issue of frequency. You know, are they, are they really failing in this area once a year, once, once a month, or once a week, or once a day? And that's because it's just so, so accessible, and it's so addictive. So um, dads, I think you need to take the lead on this. You need to have conversation with your sons. You need to sit down with them. Uh, and really talk to them about these things, specifically when we're talking about pornography, um, that real women aren't airbrushed, um, that they're not sexual objects. You know, you can do a book like Every Man's Battle or Every Young Man's Battle, uh, at least to get the conversation going, walk that through with your, with your, with your son uh, or daughter, because pornography is on the rise among women as well. Um, it's, uh, I hate to say it, but it's... Because porn is so pervasive with men, it's, it's, uh, women are, are certainly uh, aware of it and tapping into that as well. Um, so anyway, dads, you need to talk about this. And again, this is more probably a broader subject that, that dads need to discuss um, with their kids. And really just walk through biblically, and we've talked about this before when we talked about dating and sexuality. So again, I don't want to spend a lot of time here, but... We need to talk about what sexuality is and, and how God created women beautiful and, and mysterious and things like that and teach them the positive aspects of sexuality and why uh, pornography is such a, a damaging, fake, uh, false sexuality. And that, that's kind of the thrust of that. And again, uh, we, we talked about that earlier, so I don't want to spend too much time discussing pornography. Um, when it comes to social media, things like Facebook and Twitter... Again, I think at some point you need to allow and equip your kids to navigate this or else they're going to have to do it all on their own. And I would say there is a, an age appropriateness for that. You know, when you, when you get into that with your student, they, some of them, are, depending on where they're at socially and, and at their school and things like that, 
it's, there's a lot of pressure to do that and some not. Um, my daughter is a freshman, still doesn't have Facebook, has no interest in it. I will tell you, most of you, Facebook is becoming passe. I don't think uh, most of our students are now moving off of Facebook and onto Twitter. It's definitely taking over. I was kind of hoping to avoid Twitter myself. I wasn't getting on there because I was like, ah, it's bad. It's not going to last. But Twitter now is becoming uh, the new wave and the new thing. Um, there's a lot of different options about when you are allowing that access, okay? If your child is younger, again, they're, they're in junior high, for example, sixth or seventh grade, it's start having these conversations about social media, and then when you feel like it's appropriate for them to be on there, if you're in that on the, on the ground level, on the front end with them, that is, that's the best way to go. Then you can set the guidelines and set the rules. Um, I encourage you to keep access to, uh, uh, that they give you access to their Facebook, for example. Um, at a minimum, you would need to be a friend so you can see their site and see what their friends are posting, what they're posting. It's going to give you insight into their friends and into their world. That is one of the things I think for parents that is key. When you're just occasionally looking at your child's Facebook or something, you'll find out things about them, about their friends, about their world, about your child and how they're feeling. Um, as Jared said, there, there's, they're, they're posting things and sharing things about themselves that they don't necessarily talk about on a regular basis. I can tell you as a youth staff, I'm friends, you know, we have... We're friends with tons, and when we get together to pray about students, often we're saying things about them that we're seeing on social media, and it's letting us have a view into their heart, and so it can be very valuable for that, um, and I encourage you to do that. I encourage you not to necessarily slap them down as soon as you see something. Take that information that you hear and address their heart if you know, if you jump on them right away, then the first thing they're going to be is like, okay, I'm not ever posting anything again that's real because my parents are monitoring me every second, and that's going to alter their behavior, and you're not going to have that view into their heart, okay? So I encourage you to be wise about how and what you see and, and how you interact with that. Um, teach them the dangers of sharing with people they don't know. I mean, this is a, a thing, um, many, I wouldn't say many, it's, it's, it's not that it's happens every day, but there are stalkers, there are people who pose as someone else and can seduce uh, a younger student or child, and uh, eventually they want to meet and they get groomed on the internet and things like that. That is a real danger, um, but it usually only happens if your student is constantly interacting with someone that they don't even know, okay? So really just equip them as soon as they start to get into that world um, on how to do that. If your child feels like, wow, this is just a huge, um, you're imposing on my, on my independence, you're imposing on, you want to look into my world, how could you do this? I'll tell you the way that I've done it so far, and at least it's worked for me so far, is to say to my daughter, hey, here's my password. You can get on my Facebook anytime you want. I don't have anything to hide, and if I have something on there that's awful, hey, we'll talk about it. Because if you're above reproach, on your own Facebook and Twitter account, you expect them to be above reproach. And that usually, uh, hey, you can have access to me. So I've got access to you, and I'm doing this for your protection. And as a father, that's part of my role. That's part of my job. And at least for me, that's work. Now, again, I have a, my oldest daughter is pretty pliable and easy to work with, generally speaking. So she doesn't see that as an invasion of privacy, because I'm saying I've got no privacy either. And 
And that's the way that I've, uh, that I've done that. And that's easy if it's at the beginning. If you find out your child has a Facebook, you know, four years after they've been on there, you're, it's not, that strategy is probably not going to work for you, okay? Um, but that, that is something. There are so many settings and things like that. You can, you can really, with Facebook, I know you can slowly get your child used to an online world. I mean, you can block certain friends. If you get into the, uh, all the different ways uh, that you can monitor that or block things or make sure they can only post certain things and only friends that are approved can see it. I mean, you can really be careful at the front end so that they can kind of ease into the pool, you know, uh, in the shallow end with things like Facebook. Twitter, I'm not as familiar with, uh, but I know Facebook has that. Um, one more thing to be aware of in, in regards to this is that there are many, uh, teach them the dangers of multitasking as well. Uh, there's a book out called The Shallows that um, is about a year or two old. That it's it's kind of a it's an academic read. I've, I'm about halfway through it, and it is all about this idea of our our students are multitasking constantly. Like I said, that one student who's like seven to twelve hours a day, he's constantly in touch with twenty different people. And this book goes into the fact that really their brains are being hardwired. We have a hardwiring in our brains, but that the more they're learning about the brain, it actually can change the pathways and the way they think. And students are not developing the ability to think deeply anymore. Um, and it's a problem, or it can be a problem, uh, because they're so multitasking all the time. You know, it's not unusual for them to be, you know, listen to the radio while the TV's going, uh, while they're on the line, while they're texting people and reading Twitter and Facebook all, and doing homework all at the same time. And if you think about that, it, it makes sense why their grades would suffer or why, because that's, it's really difficult to have a deep uh, thought when you're constantly interrupted by another thought. Now, they are, they're very gifted at multitasking in a way that I'm not, and that's a skill set I would like to have, so that it's not completely uh, wasted, but, but just be aware of that. I, I, for example, if my child wants to be on the iPad or my student and the TV's going, I'll say, no, you've got to either watch TV or be on, because even that, they're, they're training themselves to to multitask. And so I'd say, no, choose one or the other. Uh, choose, uh, you know, if you're, if you're going to be doing one thing, don't do the other, because I want them to have that time where they can learn to think deeply. And so I encourage you to do that as well. Um, social media is a form of entertainment, but it's not just uh, enjoying an art form, okay? There, there, it involves spectating. It involves conversation. It involves sharing your life, being informed, which can be reading posts, blogs, or tweets, and it involves being entertained. And I think Jared did a great job of talking about all those different things. I mean, it's a very complicated uh, set of things that are happening when your, our students are on there. But the biblical principle um, still applies when we get to, let's get into, what, because social media is different than the internet in general, you contribute things, all right? And so in contributing that, there's still a biblical principle that uh, that, that controls, you're still using words or pictures to communicate things, all right? And so I think this, uh, this verse from James 3 says, you know, it talks about the tongue. The tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among members, staining the whole body, setting a fire the entire course of life, and is set on fire by hell. So you think right away, James doesn't have a very good view of the words that we use 
when we talk to each other, right? Um, for every kind, let's see. Uh, for every kind of beast, bird, reptile, sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same of both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or grapes produce figs? Neither can a salty pond yield fresh water. So he's talking about, and I think that describes Facebook, right? We can contribute things that are hateful and evil and hurtful online, or we can be a blessing to people. And, and the tongue, or in this case, the keyboard, or even a meme, I guess if you want to be that, you know, can, can do that. All of these things can still, it's a way that we're communicating. Uh, I think a great rule of thumb is, is down in verse 17 of James 3. He says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now think about that. If that is your rule of thumb with internet use, if you say, you know what, whatever you post, make sure that it's pure, peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, and sincere, probably what your student posts online is going to be great things that they say to their friends or things that they say to each other. I think you can also sum it up in 2 Corinthians 2, 2 says, for we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are, being perish who are perishing. So are we the aroma of Christ to people on the internet? When we're posting things, when we're talking and they interact with us, is it the sweet smell of Christ? All right. Um, I talked about this with our students that, you know, it's like when you get on the elevator and a girl gets on with perfume and you're like, oh man, that's nice, you know, <laughs> and, and it fills the whole elevator, right? And it's a, it's a pleasant experience. And that's the way it should be when they, when they get on the internet. Likewise, if somebody with great body odor gets on an elevator, everybody is repulsed, right? And doesn't want to, to experience that at all. And your child can be the, the B.O. of the internet or the, the Rome of Christ, either one, uh, in the things that they post and the things that they do. So that is my rule of thumb just generally in, in them contributing to the internet, whether it's a picture they post or whether it's something like that. Um, likewise, in what they view, teach your children not to sin vicariously through other people. Um, you may not have posted it, but if you, if you enjoy it, you laugh, you repost it, you like it, you do things like that. See, what you're doing is you are actually sinning virtually or sinning vicariously through your friends or through these other people. Um, Ephesians 5 really goes into this. He says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. He's just listed a bunch of sins. And now he says, therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. See, we partake in the, the world of darkness or we become partners with those when we enjoy the sin of others on the internet. And this happens. Gossip happens because somebody posts something mean about somebody and we talk about it. And then when we do that, we're partaking in the sin that they're doing. 
okay? And this is something that we need to warn our students about as far as in what they are receiving on the internet. Okay, so I'm going to run through a last, last little bit here, and then we'll open up for questions or discussion. In no particular order, here's some things we need to consider as we go through the internet. What is your motive for posting? Okay, when your student is posting something, we need to talk about motive. Um, spring break's coming up. I'll tell you, every year I avoid the Facebook after a while after spring break because every one of our girls go down there and they, they got the pictures of them on the beach and they all change their Facebook profile picture to them in their bikini. And ask your child, what is your reason for that being your, why does that have to be your profile picture? You know, you in a bathing suit. Uh, it's, just, it's just something that the guys don't really need. Okay, and but why are they doing that? Why do they want that? They could easily put a wrap on, or you know, be wearing a uh, something different. And I know, you know, so that that's just something to think about. Why uh, is there? There's there's a part of that that the motive for posting that particular picture. It could be innocent, but think about the heart again in in why you put that picture up there. And girls and guys can definitely. I mean, if a guy's got a great six pack, I mean, his profile picture might be. You know, him with his shirt off because he, he's wanting that. But see, that's not what we're, we're here to do. That, that doesn't present that aroma of Christ. So talk through these things. Um, does your picture glorify sin? Do they, a lot of students will post things from parties that they go to, uh, people smoking pot or drinking, things like that. That can be, it's usually not a, a profile picture, but when you start digging in some of the albums, you'll find things like that on there as well. Um, do, are they seeking attention by the things that they're doing and what they post? Uh, a f- primary thing you'll see is somebody fishing for compliments. Uh, this could be either on Twitter or on Facebook, right, where they post something like, I feel fat today, or I feel ugly. Okay, well, the main reason they're posting that, A, again, that can give you that view into their heart, so that, that can be helpful for you, but they're really hoping somebody will go, no, you're not. You're beautiful. You're wonderful. Okay, and so they, they're, they're looking for that, and they're turning to something other than to God for satisfaction. Okay, again, think about the root Think about the heart, what's going on uh, at a deep level there uh, as why they're doing that. Be aware of cyberbullying. And now this isn't just saying cruel things, although what Jared said, the fact that it's anonymous, man, it really opens things up to cruelty. But bullying, cyberbullying can be very subtle. Uh, it can be, I'm posting a picture of me with all my besties, right? Me with all my best friends. And you're looking at that and you're not one of my besties, but you thought you were. You see how hurtful that can be? Uh, me at a party with all you know, my best friends, and you're like, I wasn't invited to that party. I didn't even know that was happening. That's happened to almost all of our students, where they're just looking, and someone's posted something fun that they're getting able to do, and, and they didn't invite these other people. And that is a way, a new way of being left out and a new way of being shunned. Um, there's something called a subtweet where they call each other out. Like you will anonymously say, yeah, you know that you lied, you know, or something like that, and you just tweet that. Well, most of us would say, and then they can say, well, I didn't call out who the person was, but usually one or two of their friends knows who it really is, and the gossip starts as everybody tries to figure out who it is. And really, that's just a way of uh, gossiping over the Internet and causing a big stir uh, that, that's not necessary. Um, photos posted in cyberspace are forever. You need to tell your student that. And that is something, 
Uh, they will send things to each other. They will send stuff around and think that it's just temporary. Oh, it doesn't matter. But once it's out there in cyberspace, it's out there forever. Uh, someone's got it somewhere, and it, it's going gonna, it's gonna to circulate around. Um, there's a new thing called Snapchat. How many of you are aware of, what's, of Snapchat? Okay, about half of you. Snapchat, I think, was created for sexting, or at least it seems like it's perfect for that. Uh, Snapchat allows uh, someone to take a photo and send it to a friend, but it, they can't save it. It's, it disappears in six seconds or however long they set. And so you think about it, you could take a nude photo of yourself, send it to someone, and then, so yeah, they're going to get this, whoa, and then, but then it disappears. And no one knows what really happens to those photos. I mean, <laughs> whoever developed Snapchat, that could be around forever. Now, I'll say this. Our students have redeemed Snapchat. I don't think, just because it was created, again, for maybe an evil purpose, our students use it to bless each other. I mean, I've seen our students, they spend all day long taking goofy pictures of themselves and then sending them to their friends to shock them, you know, because they got this really ugly face, and, and they can't save it, and so it just makes them laugh. And most of our students use it for things like that. But uh, it is out there, and you just need to be aware of it. Someone can take a screenshot of that, right, as soon as you, that you open that photo. But then it sends the person who sent it uh, saying, hey, a screenshot was taken of your photo. So they, can, they have some recourse, I suppose. Um, employers, colleges, they use social media. When they're looking at, you know, if they're down to two or three students, they're going to be like, oh, man, we're going to let one of these kids in. Let's look on their Facebooks. And they, many kids have been kicked out of college because of Facebook or Twitter, they have not gotten jobs or been fired because of these things. Many of you have seen these reports on the news. So we have to tell our students about this. What's out there is out there forever, and other people are watching. Evil can seek you out on these things. I've already mentioned that like people repost things uh, on Twitter or on Facebook that um, we have from 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Uh, Satan is using these things because uh, he can send information that is very damaging. Uh, and porn will find you. It'll seek you out even if you're not looking for it. Um, beware of Pinterest. How many of you know what Pinterest is? Okay, most of the ladies. Um, Pinterest is great on a lot of ways. I mean, you can find, uh, from what I understand, uh, just about anything on uh, fashion, on recipes on all kinds of things like that, but it can be like girl porn because it just makes you want stuff, right? Uh, you may not even known you wanted that stuff until you got on Pinterest and looked around. Um, I think uh, Lainey was telling me uh, some one of the girls in our ministry posted like wedding rings or something. They're like in junior high and they're posting all these wedding bands that they want on Pinterest, you know, uh, so they're just spending hours and hours wanting stuff. And uh, that can be a danger as well, so be aware of that. Uh, lastly, the internet can consume you and eat up a lot of your time. I encourage you uh, to, if your child is one of those that is 7 to 12 hours on these social media sites or on these things, limit their time or encourage them to develop a habit of limiting. They can, you can be on Facebook and Twitter for 30 minutes a day or an hour a day, you know, set a time and say, you know what, I'm going to get on change my status, see what's going on with my friends, and get off. So they're not doing this multitasking thing, and it's not just eating up their life all the time. Um, that's another strategy just to help you with that. 
So again, the, the, the main two things, though, that I think out of all this, and this is what I told students Sunday night, is are you the aroma of Christ? Are you light? That is, in things that we post, in our motivation, that is our desire, right? In all of life is to be the aroma of Christ, and not just on the internet, but in, in person as well. And are you sinning virtually through your friends or partnering with them in the things that you're taking in and the things that you're receiving? Okay, so if, if you get those two things right and really none of the rest of it uh, landed, you'll be doing great, I think, as far as talking to your student and their heart about these things. Um, we have about 10 or 15 minutes. I'll open it up, see if there's any questions any of you guys have. Yes. Yeah, that's why I said the main, the main thing at the beginning is go after their heart because you cannot control 100% their life, which I think most of you are aware already, and you cannot control uh, where they go all the time. I mean, you can look at those triplexchurch.com and those other sites I gave you, and they are useful to some degree. But I would say by the time your student is a junior or senior in high school, they, they are plenty savvy and more savvy than you about getting around those things. For example, even just what you mentioned, let's say I used a smartphone or I had an iPad that I took to school as my mobile device. Well, if I have uh, my smartphone, I can just go off the network and use the LTE 4G wireless and surf whatever I want. So see, their filter will not help me. If I'm on their network, it will stop me. But if I'm not on their network, it won't do anything. So see, like, even just in, in that is a very simple way around it. Um, the portals and other things I mentioned. So, so their heart, engaging with their heart is going to be the key. Because again, even if you have the best filter in the world, in another year, they're on their own. And so uh, I'd be aware of that. You're making a big mistake because you will not control your kids. You can hope that you'll influence your children. And what Jeff's saying is exactly right. You want to get a sense for their heart and teach them to pursue holiness. Um, also, one of the things that I want us all to think about is not just pornography and all these other things, sending on the internet, but the fact that the more time you spend on, on electronics, the less you're spending on face-to-face, -face developing real, genuine relationships in your home. And I just we're just starting something in my home, a Sabbath rest from electronics, which means you just shut off everything. But what I find is when I shut off stuff, I'm talking to my daughter or we're playing a board game or something, we're developing and deep conversations and laughing. This is not happening if everybody's on their own device isolated. Just food for thought. Yeah. That's... You will not control your children. If you, don't, if you believe you're going to control your children, come see me. I'm going to convince you otherwise. Yeah, I wanted to get a picture of, uh, I was in a restaurant once and saw a family sitting together and I wanted to take a picture of them and be like, this is the new family dinner because... The two kids were on their smartphones and both the parents were, and not any of the four were even talking. And I thought, oh, that's, that's bad. Yeah. They were talking to each other, yeah. Maybe they were all deaf and it was the way they were talking to each other. I don't know. Oh, I wanted to mention, Ken and I came across a couple of things this week that said that kids and students are abandoning Facebook because that's the space where their parents and grandparents operate Yep. They're moving into this Snapchat and Instagram. Uh -huh. and I don't know that much about it, but I think that's another place where the images are temporary, so you can't go back and kind of see what your student is doing on Instagram because it's erased after a while. I'm not sure. Mark, do you know on Instagram? You, you have the ability to go back and erase it. It doesn't erase by itself. Okay. Yeah, you can erase it. It doesn't erase by itself. But, um, yeah, Instagram is the new... 
like uh, I'm involved with Young Life Duluth, and Instagram is primarily the vehicle. They'll post pictures instantly of what's going on in their life. And then with Instagram, you can put captions and things, right, on the photos. I have an Instagram, but I've never been on it. So again, I told you, I rely on my staff who are all in their 20s, <laughs> and, and uh, they help me because I'm not as up on some of these things. Um, yeah, you're exactly right, though. And this is the way of the world. Uh, students will develop the next thing. In fact, there's something called Vine, which is these little videos. They're about six seconds long. That's the newest thing trending, where they'll create these little six-second videos and, and post them. And they're, they're, most of them, again, are harmless or funny. Um, and that is, is trending now. But when adults get on whatever the students are on, we eventually kill it, and they move on to the next thing. And we're about three or four years behind, whatever. Like, we were on Facebook as a youth staff long before most parents were on it. Um, and like I said, I tried to avoid Twitter. Twitter really, with our students, started trending just this last year. Uh, I kept talking. And what happens is the college students get it first. The college students will explode on something, and then the high school students think it's cool because they want to do what the college students are doing. And then... But then we finally notice it and get on and kill it, and then they move on to the next thing. Yeah. Facebook started that way. If you see that movie uh, um, about Facebook. Social network. Social network, yeah. It kind of describes that whole thing, college. Any other questions? All right. Uh, feel free to s sit around and talk for a little more, get some more coffee, and uh, go and have a fantastic Sabbath. You've been listening to the Parent University Podcast. Parent U is a part of the student ministries at Perimeter Church in Johns Creek, Georgia. Please visit the student ministries website at www.perimeter.org students for more information. Thank you.